Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sam Monson of PFF. Sam, you a big golf guy? Uh, no, not a big golf guy. Uh, sort of passing interest in it. I uh, learned to play when I, was, when I was a kid, but don't do it anymore. Do you like watching it, or is that not your idea of fun? Yeah, it's 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 the kind of thing you have on in the background rather than actually <laughs> pay attention to, in my mind. When you're trying to fall asleep. It is a great Sunday afternoon nap sport. They're the best. <laughs> Got to be the best. Even. <laughs> yes. Well, it's nice to talk to you again, Sam. We missed you last week. Uh, Brandon Bean held his postseason news conference. Just to get you in on Bill's Bengals, I know that's more than a week ago, but... Did the did the game make sense to you, Sam? That the Bengals were just like a a level better than the Bills that day. I think it made some sense. It was definitely disappointing that Buffalo kind of went down really without firing a shot. Um, they they sort of spent the time on offense doing what they've been doing for a while, which is searching searching for that big punch, and they just never really found it. Um, and, and that I think was the most disappointing thing is that. It felt like a game where you know Cincinnati was going to have success on on their side of the ball. They were doing a good job on defense and causing problems for Buffalo, but then Josh Allen was just never able to find those big plays that the Bills have become so reliant on um, over the last couple of years. Him making every single week. It, it, to your to your knowledge, Sam, like to what you've looked at as it pertains to the Bills' offense, did they go for those big plays? too often, more often this year than they had other years? It just seemed like there was a, a layer missing in the offense, like just easy go-to type throws that just – they were there early in the year. The season opened with them being – with Allen being really precise and decisive, quickly, ball coming out, and then taking your shots when they were there, and they never really got back to that after like the first few weeks of the season. I, I, is, does that sound – does looking at the, the data sort of back up that – that because that's my eye test it feels like they just never had that passing game quit that quick passing game again and it it felt like as the year wore on they skewed down a bad pathway of kind of letting josh allen be hyper aggressive and not sort of moderating when he chooses to, to be aggressive and go for those deep shots and like the really 
I think a big red flag was that um, performance, the last game where his average depth of target was through the roof, even with a lead in the fourth quarter, his average depth of target was sky high. Like these are, that's not normal play. It's not what you expect to see from an offense that is in control of what it's doing. It was sort of swinging for the fences and the kind of the mistakes that it created was what led Miami back into that game, despite Miami, you know, having Skylar Thompson, a quarterback, I think that was a sort of warning shot for what could materialize down the line if they didn't figure out a better balance of finding those deep shots, finding those big plays, but also just picking up some low-hanging fruit and sort of avoiding mistakes by playing a little bit more conservatively. And, you know, this it's another example of where sometimes games get away from you early and, and could have been completely different. But I think the very first third down maybe that they had, they almost hit – Stephon Diggs on a, a deep shot down the left sideline. You know, maybe they hit that play. All of a sudden, they answer. They're not 14 down. They're at seven seven, and we're talking about a, a totally different ball game. But they didn't. They missed that one. And then from that point on, when they were in a hole, it was like whatever game plan may have existed before that went out the window, and they just never found the the correct sort of balance to answer. Sam, so. Now it's over. Like, where does this loss leave them? Um, it's different than last year. I think you'd agree. Last year they lose that game in Kansas City, which seemed more like a fluke and just what happened there. But all year last year they were talked up. It might be – there will be less of that this year. And, you know, again, the question here I want to ask you is, like, so what do they do to this roster with key free agents, 21 players, key players mostly on defense here, offensive line – um, how do you want to attack this? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing would be not overreact, you know, not panic. I think a big reason that they came unstuck by the end was one sort of controllable things like the game plan getting away, them not quite moderating or reining in Josh Allen's aggressive tendencies a little bit. I think that's a sort of a scheme, a coaching fix, a play calling fix that could make a big difference i think the other thing that caught up to them by the end was injuries um and this this was a team that was really quite banged up all the way through the season i mean they started the year with a secondary very banged up and it got worse as the year wore on and they got a couple of players back but they never really had their fully healthy starting secondary for any extended period of time and that's one of the most important areas in any team and, and an important area for this buffalo team so I think eventually the injuries that this team was dealing with did kind of come back to haunt them. The the Von Miller thing, um, he did make a difference earlier in the year. He looked like a guy that was going to propel this team above and beyond where it was a year ago. But as soon as Von Miller went out of the lineup, the pass rush evaporated and they didn't get anything going um, and were completely unable to test a Bengals offensive line that, as we've just seen this week, it stinks. <laughs> like yeah. the fact that Buffalo was not able to influence Joe Burrow much in that game at all is a massive kind of black eye against that group. 
Yeah, that that was a very frustrating part of watching the championship games. <laughs> what was seeing really both of those teams, like Kansas City was able to get to Burrow, and the Bengals do a, a such a great job on the Chiefs too. I don't want to shift to them so quickly um, here, but it, it was it was frustrating that they couldn't get pressure on Burrow in that divisional round loss. Sam, H- how about like specific players? I mean, Poyer's a free agent, Edmonds is a free agent. I think you and I talked about Tremaine Edmonds a couple weeks ago when Roquan Smith signed that giant contract in Baltimore. Um, I mean, those are those are vital pieces to this defense that I don't know that they are going to be able to even afford if they wanted to. No, I think they may end up um, letting both of them leave. I think Poyer is the sort of – Poyer has been a really important part of that defense, but I think this scheme generally is very, very um, friendly to good safety play. I think it's able to sort of – I don't want to say manufacture good players in that position, but I think they can find a replacement for Jordan Poirier without suffering too much of a problem. Edmonds is a kind of classic example of a guy hitting free agency on a contract year. Um, he was really good this season, but it's kind of the first time that we've seen him anywhere near this level, particularly in coverage. And as much as he's flashed ability and he's got incredible athletic gifts and all those kinds of things, and he's still very, very young, I w- those are the kinds of financial decisions I think that you probably need to make or financial sacrifices that you need to make when you have the quarterback already attached to the big money second contract. So it wouldn't shock me at all if they had to bite the bullet and let both of those guys leave. How about um, on offense, Sam? So wide receiver was always a talking point. Um, you know, out of last year, what does this team need? Didn't look like it needed a lot. It was another draft. It's three in a row where they didn't get to wide receiver until like the third day. And, you know, Davis has been good and Shakir looked like he might be good. But um, it, does this team for you need one more, like sort of maybe not A-list, but top wide receiver or can they make do? I don't know if it needs one more high-level wide receiver, but it definitely needs to find some better balance than it had this season where, in terms of what happens after Stephon Diggs, you know, the the percentage of this offense that Stephon Diggs is effectively responsible for, I think is just too much. And, you know, anytime a defense comes to the table with a game plan that's capable of stopping that, everybody else has just not has shown that they're not really capable of the kind of games that they need to have to offset that. Gabriel Davis has come close. He's certainly done it on occasions but I don't know if he can consistently rise to that level. But they need the kind of totality of what they have outside of Diggs to be at that higher level. And whether that's just find one more guy that that you can put into the rotation and, and make it so that the collective is better, or whether it is find a true sort of secondary option, a guy that could maybe jump Gabriel Davis on the depth chart and be a, a legitimate secondary option, they do need to add something versus what was there this year. And maybe that something is already on the roster. You know, that could be Khalil Shakir taking a step forward in year two and becoming a bigger playmaker for them than he was this year. And if you have, like, a take here on either of the coordinators, you know, this loss, Ken Dorsey had big shoes to fill with Dable, but, you know, at the same time they were second in points and points allowed with with Dorsey and Leslie Frazier, you know, some clamor for uh, their being replaced here. Um, not from me so much, Bulldog a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's 
it feels a little bit like Arizona the last few years, where if you look at it just in big picture terms over the year, it's good. But if you look at how it ended, it's bad, right? Like both of these, I think both sides of the ball unraveled a little bit right towards the most important time. The defense couldn't figure out a way of rushing the passer late in the season. The, the injuries in the secondary caught up with them a little bit. They were just a little bit too toothless when it got to the playoffs. And then the offense we talked about as well kind of lost its way and, and couldn't get back on track and um, get to where it, it needs to be for them to beat teams like Cincinnati and Kansas City in January in, in the playoffs. And it's a very difficult balance, I think, to to get on offense because the special of Josh Allen is what you need. Like those Kansas City last year, you can't you probably can't have that without giving him a lot of autonomy and a lot of freedom to be aggressive and to make the kind of special Superman hero plays that he's made over the last couple of years. But I think it was pretty evident that down the stretch over the last couple of games, he skewed too far in that direction and that ended up costing them. So that ultimately falls on Ken Dorsey to figure out how to get that back in balance and and maximize the sort of big play potential of Josh Allen without skewing too far into the flip side of that and the mistakes bulldog uh sorry i just want to mention here sam the broncos have just traded for sean payton oh wow yeah adam schefter says he is expected to become the next head coach of the broncos and uh they're working on terms right there so that this just in yeah i mean that was something that I think a lot of people thought was going to happen a little while ago and then seemed to have completely cooled off. And all the reports were that Denver were kind of struggling to find a head coaching candidate. I think for them, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you're bringing in a guy with a lot of pedigree for offensive success. Um, You have all the money in the world to make it happen. You know, you can throw whatever cash at him it takes. And then the key question mark just becomes what can Sean Payton do to resuscitate the play and the performance of Russell Wilson. And maybe a key question is what exactly they have to give New Orleans in compensation because they gave up a lot to get Wilson in the first place, so they're not exactly flush, I don't I don't think. So that, that well, might be tough. Yeah, but they they did reclaim a first round pick by trading away Bradley Chubb. That's right. That's huge right. Huge for them. Yep. Could it could be a player too. I guess uh, I guess we'll find out. All right, back to um, I guess the Super Bowl at this point, right? Bulldog, do you have something you have to follow no, up? No, that's fine. We can move on. I, you know, I don't need to make the the, the point again about you know fresh eyes for the defense. But my my preference, Sam, is defense. As much as there's focus on offense here, I think they'll figure out what you know. Add a piece, whether it's from in house or outside, and and Dorsey in his second year. Like I just and and you know, in Allen we trust. You're gonna have to live with it. Um, he's great. I think the defense is where I'm worried about it getting stale. We can move on to the Super Bowl. Okay. So, uh, Philadelphia, a small favorite here, Sam. Does that make sense for you or to you? I mean, I think the game should effectively be a coin flip. Um, I think it's the two best teams in the NFL this year when all is said and done, which I don't think necessarily is always the case in the Super Bowl. Um, I think the Eagles probably do have the best uh, totality of a roster, the best sort of 1 to 45, 1 to 53. Um, on the other hand, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid. So I think anytime that's your starting point, it's very difficult to see that team as an underdog against anybody. Um, but it does feel like a very close 
coin flip type of game. How about Kansas City-Cincinnati? We haven't really touched on this game yet here, Sam. Just what what a battle. A shame how it ended with that penalty. I wouldn't criticize the call, but just you know, so close to getting overtime again, and the strategy would have been interesting there. Uh, what's a takeaway for you with, with uh, Kansas City winning, Mahomes on the bad ankle, still getting that game done, where it looked like, you know, definitely, obviously, they were in some trouble. Yeah, I, I mean, a great game uh, across the board. You're right, an unfortunate way for it to end. Um, Mahomes doing what he was doing on that ankle, I think, is pretty crazy. Um, the fact that he's even playing, I think, is probably pretty crazy. High ankle sprains are generally multiple weeks out, um, and you could see – Every now and again, he sort of found whatever movement it was that really tweaked that leg, and you could see how he reacted to it. Um, he obviously was nowhere near 100%, but was still able to make some pretty crazy Mahomes-type plays. Um, the, the Chiefs are just so hard to beat because of that. But equally, again, we saw Joe Burrow and the Bengals be down, be in a hole, look like things were going really badly, and then just methodically pull their way back into the game. I mean, every the three wins against Kansas City that they'd had in a row going into that game, they were down double-digit points in all of them and ended up coming back like it was nothing. And they did the same thing in this game until eventually it sort of leveled out and then the Chiefs were able to sneak it right at the end. You know, yeah, that, go that, ahead. I think a year ago at this time, Sam, we, we might have been wondering, maybe it even came up in our conversation after the AFC title game last year, that like the Cincinnati, the Cincinnati defense, like this can't be real. Kansas City lost their way, um, you know, being held to what, what only a field goal in the second half last year in the title game. But you're you're looking at a book now that this Anna Rumo has has written on on holding the Chiefs at bay. Like I don't think anyone's really doing. It. I mean, the Bills have had a couple of good outings there in the regular season, but the playoffs have been a whole other story. And this guy, like. Boy, he he! I I heard. I think I read he was going to interview in Arizona. Um, boy, that's a name that I don't think six weeks ago I even really thought much about at all, and now suddenly he looks seems like a rock star. Yeah, he's done an incredible job against the Chiefs, um, and not just the Chiefs, but you know everybody else as well. I mean, the Bills obviously know it firsthand um, right. as well. But he's done an incredible job of game planning week to week against specific opponents. But the the other element, of course, is that you were dealing with in this game a very hobbled Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs effectively running out of wide receivers. Uh, Kadarius Tony goes down after a couple of snaps. Juju Smith-Schuster goes down. They are literally running out of wide receivers by the end of the game and having to completely change formations. So that has to affect it. You know, obviously, Anarumo, I think, had a good game plan and was doing a great job anyway, but it certainly helps when all of the, the team's top-end wide receivers, obviously, they still had Kelsey, but all those guys end up getting hurt. Sam, just one more for me on on Philadelphia. Like every year, somebody wins the Super Bowl, and then so, to some extent, we react to like how they did it, and maybe even you'll see teams try to copy them. Last year with the Rams, one of the storylines or narratives was how they had traded blue chip draft picks, and whether teams were going to do that. Now, is Philadelphia different enough offensively to bring out to bring on conversations like that? I mean. How they're so good, they've almost had a perfect season here, the Eagles, in, in the weaker conference, it would seem. But are they going to change? Sorry to be so dramatic by this question, but are they going to change football? I think what they've done is very difficult to replicate um, because it's been building for a few years now, and it's very impressive what they've done. When you look at sort of how they, they did this, 
they made a few really key strategic moves that have almost all paid off for them. Um, and they did it by kind of hedging their bets as well. So they had Carson Wentz. They signed him to the big contract. They decided to hedge their bets by drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. Um, and ultimately, that ended up being hugely important because Carson Wentz bombs. He ends up looking like a, a disaster. They ship him out, and they turn the thing over to Jalen Hurts, who is far from the guy we're watching right now, but was was a second option that they had, which they wouldn't have had, obviously, had they not drafted him where they did. So you bring in Jalen Hurts, you had a pretty good team anyway, and you get to the end of the year, and you're not quite sure if Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy. So they hedge their bets again by making these trades in the draft and essentially buying extra capital this year so that even if Jalen Hurts was a disaster, they would have multiple first-round picks and they would be able to go get the quarterback to fix the problem if that's the way it went. But they were also able to essentially act like Jalen Hurts was the guy, build around him, and create this championship roster. And all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts does take this huge step forward and now the picks that you have this year are just like bonus. They're just added, uh, added benefit from having sort of hedged their bets. And I think that if there's a team where it is a, not necessarily a blueprint, but maybe a guidance for it's Chicago because the bears end up getting the number one overall pick in the draft because Houston wins a, a pointless week 18 game. They have Justin Fields, who is obviously a special athlete, but we're not quite sure how good a quarterback he is yet. So do they go all in with Justin Fields or what, or do they draft a quarterback or do they do what the Eagles did and kind of hedge their bets and say, well, let's try and trade out a number one, get a pick next year, use the capital to build around Justin Fields as if he is the guy, but make sure that we have enough ammo next season that if he isn't, we can still go get a quarterback. Man, I, I love the way you laid that out because I, 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 I'm pretty sure I can remember looking at the Eagles, knowing they'd made the moves to get extra picks so they'd have them if they needed them, and then they trade for A.J. Brown. And, I, like, yeah. what the, this doesn't jive. Like, what do you do? You can't have it both ways. Would have probably been something I, I would have said about it. And, well, 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 the results certainly fly in the face of that because it, it, it worked out, obviously. And the A.J. Brown move, I think, is another example of, smart process they i mean aj brown was the best first round pick spent last year essentially they decided instead of drafting a wide receiver i mean we just they just made that mess right they drafted jalen rager instead of justin jefferson it's one of the biggest mistakes in the draft certainly in the first round in the last decade so they said well let's not try and do that again let's take our first round pick and let's get aj brown instead and we bring in a top five wide receiver at the position for that draft pick and okay it's going to cost more money but we we have the cap space to make that happen so i think that's another one of the, the sort of smart moves that they made along the way gotta love all the rugby features we're getting from these super bowl teams here sam with the the rugby mall and that hurts quarterback sneak and here's kelsey out here whatever that i mean i don't know it feels like rugby is is, is uh making inroads in the nfl yeah, but I'm going to need them to learn how to pass the ball a little bit better. I mean, that that the first one was a was was a reasonable enough sort of look, um, but they ran that again. Either it was the same play. I haven't been able to work out if it's if it's a sort of automatic look that Kelsey has an option anytime he sees it, or if they faked it the second time. But they ran essentially the exact same play a couple of plays later. And if Kelsey had executed the pass this time, it was a walk-in touchdown. But yeah. he ends up 
sort of faking it and not, not throwing it, presumably after he made a mess of it the first time, <laughs> and just taking the gain um, as it was. But those plays work. I mean, they, they will exploit something the defenses are not prepared for. D'Amico Ryans to San Francisco as we speak. Uh, my favorite. Simultaneous tweets citing sources from Schefter and Rappaport. It's just simultaneous. You mean to Houston. He's leaving San Francisco. What? Oh, did I say San Francisco? I'm yeah, sorry. D'Amico right. Ryans leaves the 49ers, and right. he's going to be the Texans coach. Thank right. you for catching yeah. that. All right, Sam, we've kept you a long time here, I guess maybe making up for, for last week. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the visit, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 